0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Hall, and this is the Kingdom Ethics Podcast. Uh, With me today, as always, is the world's greatest podcast host, co-host, book writing, professor, traveling, ethicist. You do a lot of things right now.
1: It's a bit. The main thing is I grieve over my Atlanta Braves. That's what I do. I, I sit at my desk and I think about how they should have won the World Series. And then I try to move on with my day.
0: Such is the burden of all true believers. <laughs> in the Braves, believers in the Braves, because they just they exist to hurt us. That's saying I re- I never had a professional team. I've lived in Northwest Florida, which is not the rest of Florida, and then in Alabama, and I never had a pro team for anything. And then I moved to Atlanta. And I adopted. I went out and bought jerseys. I was going to be a Falcons fan, a Braves fan, and a Hawks fan. And I've decided that all of them work for Big Pharma to push depression meds.
1: <laughs> that's
0: that's the scheme. I'm working on an op-ed about it right now. We're going to expose them.
1: That makes perfect sense. Much is now coming in, coming into view for me. Yes, I see that. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> Atlanta sports will break your heart. Um, and so will politics. So let's let's talk about it a little as we continue our exploration of defending democracy from its Christian enemies. Uh, we right now are jumping into what would be the analog to chapter nine and uh, talking about Hungary. Now that's that's interesting to me. When I first read the book, I did I had not been paying attention to Obron. I knew there was something strange that happened with an election and every now and then I saw his name in a headline, but I was not paying attention to Hungary and I don't really think I ever have. How'd how'd Hungary catch your eye for authoritarian reactionary Christianity?
1: Well, you know, Americans are woefully inattentive to other countries. Um, I follow the big ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... As I, was fun, you know, what's fun about the writing process sometimes is you go down the trails that the evidence leads you to, right? So our listeners would know that this book was originally motivated by trying to process what has happened in the U.S. since, um, well, it began since Trump emerged, became president, and then wouldn't leave or didn't want to leave after he lost in 2020, and then And then his following and the ideology behind it, which we're, which I'm calling authoritarian reactionary Christianity. Um, but I think it also helped that having an appointment at the free university of Amsterdam has me in conversations with Europeans more than I used to be that school, by the way, that wonderful school an international Baptist theological study center as well has students from all over Europe and all over the world. And so, um, something about being in the European environment helped me to, to widen my gaze. And, and I also, we, we, we talked about Russia uh, before. I also, it also became clear just from reading the right the wing literature in the US that Putin had been the kind of shining star of Christian strong man preventing the liberal decadent west from ruining christian civilization in russia right we talked about that before but that his authoritarianism was of course essentially a dictatorship and a lot of enemies ended up falling out of windows and then he invaded ukraine uh full scale in 2022 and um and then a lot of the, the shine was off and people weren't so thrilled about Putin. Mm-hmm. But but looking for um, another figure who wasn't quite as awful and who was doing what a lot of these Christians were interested in, people found their way to Viktor Orban in Hungary. Uh, Orban, like urban with an O, Orban. Um and and i noticed how much orban and hungary was were being talked about by by the christian right in the u.s um and not just the christian right the just the political right in general um hungary which genie and i actually did a clandestine visit to um uh this past year we went just before the book came out um thinking that after the book came out, we might not want to visit Hungary because
0: <laughs> you're going to be on a list.
1: <laughs> uh, so I'll be on some kind of list. And some guys at the border, you know, um, might Papers, want to have, a please. Little, yeah, have a little conversation in a dark room. So, um, so anyway, we visited Budapest and they, and we, we had a nice visit. It's a, a grand old lovely capital, um, beautiful, um, architecture and all the things you expect in old Europe. But there were also signs of dissent. Um, So here's how Freedom House describes um, Hungary. They say it is a transitional or hybrid regime. Um, Hybrid meaning it exists between democracy and autocracy. Hmm. Um, It has a score of 45 out of 100 on the democracy scale, And you don't want to be at 45. That's not really good. I think Russia was at like seven or something, but 45 is not very good. Um, Freedom House says, after taking power in the 2010 elections, uh, Prime Minister Viktor Orban's party, Fidesz, pushed through constitutional and legal changes that have allowed it to consolidate control over the country's independent institutions, including the judiciary. The government has since passed anti-migrant and anti-LGBT plus policies, as well as laws that hamper the operations of opposition groups, journalists, universities, and NGOs that are critical of the ruling party or whose perspectives that they otherwise find unfavorable. So he he was Orban, who is about my age, um, which I'm not going to reveal at this time. Um, <laughs> Orban was a young prime minister elected and and. From 1998 to 2002. Then he was voted out. He was very disappointed about that. After he left, he said, if he ever took power again, he was not ever going to leave office. That Does that sound like anybody one knows? Um, Why do they
0: say things like that out loud?
1: Because they really believe them. Um, it's amazing when, how
0: willing people are to tell you who they are. Yeah. And we don't listen.
1: Yeah. When he came to power again in 2010, he adopted he didn't do this in his first term but in his 30s but he adopted authoritarian reactionary christian uh strategies Um, he described his vision of hungary's future as an illiberal state illiberal democracy some people describe it um so so let's talk about that for a minute what that what that means for him is because he has a supermajority, a two-thirds majority in parliament, um, and now dominates every branch of Hungarian government. He can do pretty much whatever he wants. Um, elections uh, are are no longer fair. There's uh, um, the government dominates public media. It directs public funds, public funds to support the candidates of their party. Hmm. Um. Uh. He um, uses and abuses state media. Um, He has weakened the judiciary. How about this? This is fun. A November law introduced a practice that has been called voter tourism, allowing any Hungarian citizen to legally register and vote in any district. That's helpful in a parliamentary direction. So before the election of 2022, I think it was, Voters were strategically moved into districts that might otherwise be close, mm. with hundreds of voters registered at single residences. So let's say, you know, this district over here in the Northwest looks like the other side might win. We can't let that happen. So shipping people into the district, registering them to vote uh, there, and then winning there, and then winning elsewhere, and then winning elsewhere, You're moving wow. the voters, uh, reminds me a little bit of the SBC uh, conservative taker. And when the, you know, children and, and so on were bused in to vote as de- as messengers in the in the annual meeting, you know, um, so like, if you have a democracy, that means you have elections, but elections have to be administered according to to rules that are fair. Um, being able to t- to target um, uh, districts and move people into those districts so that you can win a supermajority. Um, so in 2022, his party got 53% of the vote, but they have a super majority in parliament because of playing these kinds of games. So 53% of the vote got them over two thirds of the seats. And so therefore they can do whatever they want in terms of the laws. He's also um, uh, degraded the judiciary, um, has uh, privatized public universities And they are now being taken over by uh, pro-government figures. The government is directing which programs can and cannot be taught, like gender studies programs have been eliminated, um, because that's not in keeping with uh, what the government wants. NGOs have been harassed. Um, The Pegasus spyware program has been used for surveillance of political opponents. Anti-LGBTQ agitation has been brutal. there has been anti-Semitic um, stuff, especially the attacks on um, George Soros, who doesn't live in Hungary, but is a Hungarian Jewish uh, refugee who lives in America. And that's
0: just a classic.
1: Yeah, you do the Soros thing. Um, they've also been anti-immigrant. anti um, So what Orban represents is a smarter... Um, less violent more cunning form of authoritarian reactionary leadership and what but the but the bulwark of his support is traditionalist christians who like a guy who will be tough to protect traditional values in the place of christianity in hungary does that sound familiar it
0: does the does is it christianity that Animates all of this in Hungary?
1: Um a version of Christianity.
0: What, <clears throat> what is the, the dominant brand of the church there? Um, Are they e- Orthodox?
1: No, it's historically um or Hungary's still Catholic. Historically Catholic with a significant Reformed actually population. The Reformed got over to Hungary. Um and uh, we could we could Google this, we should Google this, but um, it's essentially, it's kind of East Central Europe, Catholic, conservative Catholic, conservative Protestant. It does, it's not the Orthodox Church, but um, I think it's historically Catholic with a significant Protestant population.
0: But it's not, it's not an American style consumer evangelicalism.
1: Not, no, it isn't. Though, I mean, I think there has been some penetration all over the world because that's, american evangelicals and fundamentalists have gone all over the world um so you'll be interested in this i i learned well i saw it a group of hungarian baptist uh leaders endorsed a statement uh, criticizing the international baptist theological studies center for hiring an ethicist who has my views in other words hungarian baptist leaders attacked my Amsterdam-based seminary for having me come and be be their ethicist or be involved with them.
0: I'm glad you got to see Budapest.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so there's a, a fair amount of traditionalist Christian support for what Orban is about. Um keep the migrants out, um suppress minorities, elevate Christianity, conservative Christianity, suppress LGBTQ people and and their rights. Um, uh, dominate every sphere, reduce pluralism by dominating the universities, um, p- politics, and the NGO sector, and the media. Yeah, and the media. Um, so. One reason I, I decided to focus some on Orban was because he is very popular with the American right. Tucker Carlson, when he was on Fox, he spent a week in Budapest interviewing uh, Orban at the presidential palace and, and kind of celebrating what he was doing. Um, Rod Dreher, do you know that name, Rod Dreher? Yes. Uh, Rod Dreher, um, it appears that he has moved to Hungary and now lives there or at least he was at the time of this writing, Uh, he was a kind of a crunchy con um, who was advocating kind of Christian withdrawal from a secular public in the U.S. Um, But Dreyer says that what the Republican Party now needs is, quote, a leader with Orban's vision, a new American Orbanism. And a lot of, uh, I think it appears that they hoped that Trump would be that person, but Trump wasn't cunning, smart, or disciplined enough to really qualify as an Orban, but I think that if he comes to power again, Trump will surround himself with people who are uh, cut from that mold and will actually be more effective in snip, snip, snipping away the checks and balances of our democratic system, and is essentially promised to do so. Um,
0: are you familiar with the term, I'm, this is a new one for me, Red Caesarism?
1: yes. Yes, but what what did what did, what are you hearing on that?
0: Oh, well, I'm hearing it a lot. Um cuz I had I, we've encountered the idea before, right? Like we what America needs is a Christian dictator to force us back into where we ought to be sort of thinking. But that's yeah. super fringy, conspiracy-esque stuff. But I've been hearing this term in more normal spaces, not think tanks or from people making fun of Alex Jones or something. I'm hearing it on the AM radio stations. I'm hearing it on political podcasts that people are talking about Red Caesarism and the uh, 2025 project and how to actually grab that pendulum and not let it swing again.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the whole thesis of the book, Jeremy, that that there's a, a group of very reactionary, traditionalist Christians who, have, who do not believe that liberal democracy, which, among other things, honors tolerance and diversity and accepts pluralism and respects the results of elections even when our side loses, that that's just not what they want anymore. Um, they want something different. Dreyer says this, there are many things that the Americans here want to learn from the Hungarians. We're gonna keep our heritage for ourselves, our Christian heritage, our ethnic heritage. That's what I think they want to say, but can't say. And so they point to someone who can hmm. say it. Orban was invited to speak at the CPAC conference in Dallas in August, 2022. That's a conservative political action committee. He came to the U.S. and was invited to speak um, and um, and remains a star. So Orban is probably the world's leading single leading practitioner of illiberal, authoritarian, post-democracy in the name of Christian values. And that is why we should take him seriously. Uh, here's how, the, last, uh, ch- the last paragraph. Christ- I wrote this. Christians who believe in and value democracy should resist leaders who weaken it even if those leaders say some words that affirm Christianity and criticize those who make Christians uneasy. But in Hungary, Viktor Orban has once again found that Christians are easily swayed by religious rhetoric and by policies that seem to roll back cultural developments that they find unwelcome. He has remade Hungary as an illiberal Christian autocracy. And so that's why we need to study him. And you can see why. I'm not likely to be invited to hang out at the presidential (laughs) palace uh, anytime soon.
0: Did you get to see it?
1: I did, yeah. It was very near our hotel. Um, Yeah. Hungary has been in trouble with the EU, uh, European Union, because of its constant violation of basic standards of democracy. And, of course, what Orbán does is to say, see, that's what happens when you stand up for Christian civilization against the decadent West.
0: Yep, the uh, dragon in Rome will come for you. That's right. Fascinating. So, next time we will be talking about one that I think more Americans might be aware of Brazil, that it exists. But but what's going on there, too? Because I knew about uh, Bolsonaro uh, pretty well before reading the book. So, excited... To hear about someone (laughs) on our side of the water, too. Thanks, y'all. We are thrilled that you chose to join us today to listen in on this conversation. We hope you're following along uh, with the book. And if you want more content like this, uh, David is on dozens and dozens of podcasts. Well, we're probably up in the hundreds in general, but dozens on uh, this specific topic. So if you want to hear it attacked from a bunch of different angles as well, uh, those are out there. But we are here. So we hope to have you back next time on the Kingdom Ethics podcast. If you want to find either of us, our respective websites are easy to find because they are names. DavidPGushy.com and RevJeremyHall.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next time. Thanks.